This is a Soulfire production. All right, everybody. Today, we are chatting with one of my great, great, great friends, Kelly Tennant, and she has been a huge catalyst and just friend for me along this journey of what's next, right? I think for years, our paths have aligned. We played volleyball together for most of our lives, and she played at, um, ended up playing at USC. I found my way to Penn State and then UCLA, so we were both on the West Coast together. We both cross paths in the health and wellness industry. She went into media. I uh, grew as an entrepreneur, and then she has chosen this path of her own healing after um, being diagnosed with what she will, she can share her whole story with you, but she went on her own healing path. And what's so cool is has made a commitment to take thousands and thousands of people with her. And it's so freaking amazing to see what she's created over the past, gosh, only like what, three years or four years. It seems like so long, but it's been not that long. And, um, has built incredible, um, an incredible podcast, um, with her partner. He has an incredible podcast. They have them separate, they have them together. And then she also creates events, retreats, and, um, we've just been on this path, figuring it out together. And I'm so excited (laughs) for you guys to hear from her because she's so raw and transparent, but also such a badass. So I believe like the information and the way she says it can resonate with so many people on this line. So Kel, thank you so much for being a yes and being here. Um, and I would love for people just to hear a little bit about your journey before we get started. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks for having me. This is, oh my gosh, I've been dreaming of this moment for you. I've been like, you're like now, Laura, it, come on. I've been like putting it on my own vision board. <laughs> I mean, Thank you for the, holding the, space for me. Yeah, Jesus. dude. I mean, I, I said dude twice now. I never say dude. I don't know what's happening. Um, I first want to just recognize you for doing this and you said that we've been on this path together, but I want to make clear to people that you cleared the way and the path for me to jump on. And I was telling you earlier, like you were making me cry before we even started talking. It's just, it blows me away that you set the stage and the tone in your own life, which then really helped me do the same for myself. And as much as I do look at us as equals and really together on this path now, and I think everything that's happened in the world has really catapulted that, I also feel like I have been following you so willingly and lovingly and just waiting to see, okay, what is Laura going to do? What does she say? What does she think? And I just soak it all up. And to feel like you took me under your wing and without judgment, without any sense of insecurity or competitiveness. It was, how can I help you? How can I hold you? Because uh, you saw me before I saw myself. And I think that's really your gift for so many people and everyone listening to your show moving forward is that you see people and you help them meet themselves. And it's, it's really beautiful that you have been willing to do this work so deeply so that I can do it and now do that for other women. And you really are such a leader in so many different ways for so many different types of people. And it's such a gift that you have. And I'm just grateful that you brought that forward in me. So I had to say that before. Thank you so much. You know, 
it nothing feels better than being seen you know someone gave me a compliment like I hope your new niece has your heart. And I'm just like sobbing. And like, like, that was the nicest thing you could ever say to me. Like, what? And then you just saying, you know, I see people. And that's like, whoa, like, I do. Like, I remember, well, obviously, when you were in media, it was like, you were such a badass. You're this, you know, you're at the Lakers and the Dodgers and all the things. I don't even really know what you did, but it was like, you're a bright star. And you were always the top. (laughs) You were always the top and the best, right? And so you can see someone in that light. And then when they decide to shift, it's like, oh, she's stepping into her purpose. Okay, let's let's cheer. Let's like, okay, be the cheerleader. Like, come on, come on, yes. come on, come on. And that's what you are. You're everyone's cheerleader. Yeah. I see you. You're on the right path. And it's scary. It's super, super, super scary to make that choice. So I, one thing I admire about you, and we were talking about this before we started, is that you've always been, you've always been the person that has said yes to yourself, like willingly, honestly, like, okay, this was my path. Now this is my path. Now this is my path. And like, you've had really like a lot of guts. And I think a lot of people on the line can learn from you and your transition and how you've learned how to trust yourself and just go for it. So if you could share a little bit about your journey and the pivots you've made and how you've done them with grace and embrace the unknown. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, you told a little bit of the, the volleyball backstory and, you know, for both of us, we are top players in our class and the achievers, the go-getters type a, I was, you know, the best student as well. And I was president of this and participated in that. And so it was just, I was always doing, and I was always achieving and everyone knew my name. I was on the cover of volleyball magazine. I won multiple national championships, um, and was co-captain of a final four team at USC. And then everything was gone overnight. I was in extreme pain, head to toe, couldn't stand up. My left leg completely numb, full on depression, wanted to die from the pain, from the isolation. It was awful. And long story short, I basically went on a 14 year chronic illness journey. And during this time was on every medicine under the sun, was hallucinating, was so depressed, um, uppers, downers, numbers, everything you can imagine. And that was at 19 when that journey really started. And at 21, I knew something was wrong and that that wasn't how I wanted to live. Initially diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And then over time, realized that there was so many underlying things happening. So I really turned to holistic medicine and alternative medicine to try and heal using food to heal. And I definitely got pretty far on my own in my own research and self-advocacy, but it wasn't until I met my functional medicine doctor 14 years later that he said, basically everything I had been told was a complete lie and that people in Western medicine don't know a lot about chronic illness and don't know how to treat it or diagnose. So I got all the proper testing, found out that I had Epstein-Barr probably for 16 years because I had had mono my freshman year at USC and was incredibly ill. So Epstein-Barr virus, um, chronic fatigue syndrome, SIBO, which is an intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and some different genetic mutations that had all led me to be really sick along with some other things I'll get into in a second. And so once we started treating that, I also met an Ayurvedic doctor who really went the holistic route for me and started getting all the toxins out of my body and just detoxing heavily. I healed within a year and a half. So going from misdiagnosis and just 
literally wanting to die for that long to then two people being like, oh, this is what's wrong. You're done. And both of them really brought up plant medicine and spirituality for me. So I had already been working with energy healers and different things along those lines, but I hadn't really gone full in. And when I met Dr. Lekos, my functional doctor, he sent me to a shaman. And then three months later, I met Marta, my Ayurvedic doctor. And she's like, so there's this thing called ayahuasca. It's like, what is happening? And so I just, I trusted them because they had helped me heal so much that I just, I went all in on the spiritual route. And that is what connected me, the mind-body connection. And that's what really started me on this path. And while I was doing all of this, I was a TV host in LA for the Lakers and Dodgers. I did the pre and post game. I was a sideline reporter. I traveled with the teams. I was in studio. My hours are crazy. And my body just kept shutting down. And for me, I always wanted to be on TV from the age of 10. I was the, the host of the morning announcements in middle school. And I would like tell people we were having chicken nuggets for lunch. And that's when I decided I should be Barbara Walters. So um, I did that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was really cute. But um, I did that. That's why I went to USC. So everything I did revolved around being on television. I never knew what it was going to look like. I thought I was going to be more in news. Well, I realized I don't know anything about the news, politics, history, nothing. Don't care. Don't want to be a part of that. And sports was really the easy step in. So I started working for ESPN right after I graduated from college, continued to build upon that, ended up at the Pac-12 network, which then led me to Spectrum, which was Lakers and Dodgers channel. And so spent 10 years plus of my life doing television, surrounded by men in very masculine, toxic energy, came forward about sexual assault uh, with one of my colleagues, and my body had just shut down to a point where I couldn't function. And I realized why, because I was doing this because I thought I should. Mm. I was doing it for attention and fame and glorification. And because I thought all I had to offer was being the hot girl on TV. And my body had tried to show me over and over that this is not what I was meant to do. And I didn't listen. And so it took me being bedridden and sleeping 16 hours a day for three months to realize, oh, this isn't right anymore. And so I quit my job two years ago, almost to the date. And that's when I launched my podcast and I just went for it. And so that's kind of the journey to where we are now in a lot of ways. Wow. That was such a succinct, beautiful <laughs> path. And I can't believe how like fast it's been and how much you've evolved so quickly since saying yes to what was true for you. It's like the moment you said yes to like yourself, it, it kind of like jumped like so, so, so quickly and one of my teachers, I love what he, he says. He said, it's not what you do, it's who you be. Like, so it's not necessarily that it was sports. It's that you were super out of alignment of your why, like what you, who you were being inside of that. And it also didn't provide an environment for you to flourish and work in your feminine and, and be you. Um, you had to heal. So what what advice would you give for someone who's on the brink of like that moment of like knowing that they're in a place of like, I can't live like this anymore? I think that we only get to that place when we've had enough and enough for each person is different. For me, enough probably should have been 10 years ago. I knew this wasn't what I was meant to be doing. I knew. It was so clear. And my body was already shutting down then. 
So it took slap in the face after slap in the face after gut punch to force me to go inward, which is really interesting, right? We're experiencing that collectively across the globe right now. It takes a global pandemic for people to take notice of their truth, to be willing to go inward. And that's where I was for that many years. And I did not listen. And so I think it's getting clear about how much are you willing to put up with that is not yours. I was willing to put up with a lot because I didn't value myself and I didn't believe I had any worth. I grew up believing that taking care of other people and being attractive and being kind and a people pleaser was my worth and value. And so that led me to being willing to put up with so much shit that just wasn't mine and wasn't meant for me. But what I learned is that every single lesson that I experienced throughout my career and throughout my illness all led me to this moment. And so I would just urge anyone who is questioning to just keep questioning. And you taught me this, and you so beautifully said this the other day when we were talking. You said something along the lines of, we need to ask ourselves better questions. I didn't ask better questions until two years ago. Wow. And it's a willingness to look at yourself, which is very uncomfortable. And I didn't want to look at what I was actually doing. I knew I was out of alignment. I didn't have the vocabulary to explain that at the time. But looking back, I completely knew and my body knew that I wasn't connected and I didn't have the awareness. And so if that's coming up, I would just say, start asking yourself better questions. And the moment you get a hit of, hmm, what's happening right now? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Go all in. Yeah. So a lot of people you will ask me like, Laura, like, just give me like a journal prompt. Like, just tell me like the questions to ask. Like, what are, give me five, two, three, five, whatever powerful questions to start with. You know, that's a great question. But what comes to me when you ask that is that I'm not meant to tell someone else what to ask themselves. Okay. And I think that's where you That's where the issue lies that they're even asking. Yes. And that's (laughs) what, because this is, I said this the other day when you were on my show, the most important thing you did for me was teach me that I could trust myself Mm. because every time we go outward, we're, we're in a sense, not trusting ourselves. So there's a difference between having a mentor, which you have totally been and working with a coach and asking questions, but good mentors and good coaches aren't going to give you the answers. Right. They're going to guide you and they're going to listen, which is what you did for me. So if someone comes to me with that question, what I would say is ask yourself why. So what is coming up? I, I don't like my job. Why? And Monica taught me this, this game of why consistently going further and further and further until you reach a place where it feels like a core answer, a core wound that has caused this entire experience. So for me, it's, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll give an example of kind of my process of what, what, what I went through with my career is I hated going to work every day. Why did I hate going to work? I hated feeling like a piece of meat. Hmm. 
Why did I hate feeling like a piece of meat? Because it made me feel like I only had one thing to offer, which was an attractive body. Well, why is that bothering me? Because I know I have more to offer. Why do I feel I have more to offer? Well, because I am incredibly intelligent. I'm incredibly connected to people. People want to tell me their deepest, darkest secrets. People trust me with such deep things. So you can see where this went for me, where I finally kept playing this over and over in my head to where I got to, I am worthy of more and I have more value and I have not been showing up for myself. And all the things that I just noted off were all things I was doing to please other people. So I showed up at the ballpark every day, not wanting to be there because I should, I should make a lot of money. I should be on TV. I should be covering the Dodgers. Should, should, should. But when I look at my trail of answers and my why, my why always goes back to, I have more to offer. I'm more worthy and more valuable than what I believe or what I've been showing up as. And what really drives me is helping people and making a difference and making an impact. And in that same scenario, I never felt like I was helping anyone or making an impact talking about home runs or running away from guys chasing me with buckets of Gatorade. Like, what the fuck? Like, it made no difference. The only difference I think I made was being a sounding board for these 23-year-old boys who were coming up from the minor leagues into Major League Baseball who needed a fucking woman to talk to Yeah, because they had no one to talk to and they would come to me and tell me how depressed they were or that their marriage was suffering, that their daughter was sick or something and they had no one to talk to. And so I could be there and be present and hold space for them. Wow. But that's really all there was in that way. So if you're asking those questions, instead of asking someone else to give you a journal prompt, I would ask yourself, what is it that's bothering me right now and work backwards from it? Such beautifully stated advice right there. Um, So you make this pivot, you choose yourself. Something that we chatted about before we press play was taking radical self-responsibility for your life, period, over and out. And I feel like you were saying, even in sickness, maybe there was a a silent, like our egos are really tricky. It's like, oh, I was playing victim this whole time and I didn't even know I was playing victim, right? And I feel like so many women and and people listening are at the next step of their life. They're saying, I want to activate. I want to step in. I know there's another level for me. I know there's more for me. There's a a level of radical self-responsibility that comes with that. And I would love you to touch on that because I feel like it's something that you you do, you operate from radical self-responsibility. You are a boss. And what does that mean? What is like define that? Yeah, it's such an amazing conversation. I didn't even know what that meant until honestly, until I started dating Connor a year ago, I had never heard of self-responsibility. So what led me to taking responsibility was radical self-honesty which I had never done, which I was just kind of explaining. I had never been honest with myself about what I wanted, who I was, where I was going, what my truth was. I just lived everyone else's truth. I lived in the noise. That is the only place I was. I was never quiet enough to be with myself. Perfect example of this. I committed to Stanford as a junior. I was going to Stanford. It was my dream school from the time I was five. And they started recruiting me at 12 years old. I was going to Stanford. I asked my mom at five, 
what is the best school? She told me Stanford. That was it. Game over for me. I committed at 16 years old, woke up one day, got in the shower and started uncontrollably sobbing, lost my fucking mind, walked downstairs, looked at my mom and said, I can't go to Stanford. I have to go to USC. Wow. She's like, what do you mean? You already committed. I said, I can't go there. I don't even want to go there. I wanted to go to Stanford because my mom told me it was the best. So one, I was trying to please my mom. We have so many parallels. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Okay. Trying to please going. my mom, not disappoint her. And because it was the best school in the country, according to her at five, then that mean I ha- meant I had achieved the best, that I had conquered it. I won. It was never where I wanted to be. I went there on my recruiting trip, hated it. I was like, these people are not my people. Like I love Cynthia Barbosa and her whole posse and she is just the best, but I was out at a party with them and I was like, oh no, (laughs) oh no. I didn't listen to it though because the noise told me that this is how I should live. So then I ended up committing to USC and everything worked out and that's where I belonged. So I lived in the noise and it took like these massive convulsions in my body to get me to listen to myself, which is the same thing that has happened over. I was engaged to someone I should have never even been dating. Oh my God, I and forgot it, about that. It took like this, like, like craziness for me to finally be like, oh no, this isn't for me. And I've done that in every part of my life over and over again. And so being honest with myself about what I wanted and getting into plant medicine and seeing myself, meeting myself truly in the astral, in past lives, my soul, what my soul craves, what my soul's truth is. That honesty allowed me to start taking responsibility because I, growing up, never had to take responsibility for anything. I was the perfect child. My family called me perfect Kelly. I never did anything wrong. I was the queen of all queens and didn't have to do any chores. I excelled at everything. And I never had to say, I'm sorry, and, or take responsibility. And because of that, I didn't know how to. And so last year, I had so many things come forward for me that required an apology. Wow. And a lot of that in my relationship with Connor, Connor is such a mirror for me and he brings forward such deep wounds and triggers and it's so painful. And the way I lash out, the way I conduct myself, the way I project my stuff onto him is so big that it required apology after apology after apology. And I have gotten so good at apologizing, almost too good to the point where he's had to tell me, you need to stop. Like you need to stop. It's, it's okay. You don't need to apologize for that. But I think I almost had to go so far the other way because I never took responsibility for anything. I always, everything happened to me and she did this to me and that happened to me and they didn't pick me and And I never saw the bigger picture and I never saw that I had a role in everything happening and that I was attracting all these scenarios to myself. Are you aware of any of your old limiting beliefs that caused you to live in victimhood, that caused you to stay sick, that caused you to stay in suffering? I I have a very, very deep fear of failure Mm. and I have a very deep fear of success. Wow. Because 
I want everyone to like me mm-hmm. because I care what everyone thinks about me. Within that, I saw during a plant medicine ceremony last year that I came into this life acting like I was better than everyone. Mm. And I have believed and was kind of taught by a lot of people that I was better than people. Mm. And so for an example, when I would travel with the Dodgers and we'd go to different stadiums, you'd have to wear a credential to show like who you were with. And in order to have access to walk into a clubhouse, you need to have a badge on. Well, I had gotten so used to walking around Staples Center and Dodger Stadium doing whatever the fuck I wanted because I'm Kelly Tennant and everyone knows who I am and I am better than all of you people who wait in line and don't get to do what I do, that I would throw a tantrum. I would lose my shit on security guards who would be like, can I see your credential? And I, was, I would be like, excuse me, don't you know who I am? Wow. And so I think I carried that arrogance with me for so much of my life because I had been well-known from a young age within my town, in the volleyball community, on and on and on. And so I really believed that I was better than people. And so I think that paired with wanting everyone to like me at the same time, which really seems like two very different things, but actually are just so rooted within each other. I think that's what led me to being that way. Got it. And how did you reframe? What are your, what new beliefs set you free? That I am, I am everyone. Like we are all connected in that same ceremony. I think it was the next night. um, I saw where I come from in my home and I melted into this feminine energy and we were all connected And in that moment is when I realized I am no better and no worse than any other being that we are all connected and come from the same place Mm. and that we are all here on earth in these human bodies and experiences, but our souls are all one. And so we're living this out with our egos and and doing the, the meat suit thing. But at the end of the day, We all came here on our path to do our thing from the same place. Beautiful. And so I'm no better. And um, of course, I lost my train of thought. This is well, the the potentially potentially also the reframe of failure. Yeah, Yeah. failure and success. Yeah, and then so also my biggest fear of disappointing people being scared of failure to disappoint people, but being scared of success because people won't like me if I'm successful. So then I believe don't shine bright, stand in the corner, keep your mouth shut because people will like you if that's the case. Don't fail because that means you're a failure and you're awful. So how do you like merge those two things is where I've been in the last six months, really, especially as doing my podcast, starting the media company, How do I be willing to rise, speak about things I care about, and not worry about what people think? And what I have realized is that there is a part of me that will always care what people think. My truth does not lie within everyone else's beliefs, and my truth is not their truth. 
and vice versa. And so I can only speak to myself and my experience and teach from that place. But it's not going to resonate with everyone because it's not for everyone. Yeah, but you going on your own truthful path and sharing from an honest, vulnerable place can give someone else access to their own path, whatever that is. I mean, plant medicine is definitely not for 99.9% of the people on the line. It's, it's one tool. I mean, we can access these limiting beliefs and these old stories through so many mediums. I mean, just through freaking journaling, like we can just ask ourselves why, because we've been put at this global, you know, whatever hit your knees moment for the next 90 days to press pause, to ask these powerful questions. I mean, some of us have been so caught up in the rat race where we, we haven't even had time and space to even metabolize a conversation like this, to even sit down and ask ourselves empowering questions. I mean, I think if you were to sit down and, and, and uncover some of these things, you could have probably seen some of these things. And I think like that's the blessing. One of the many blessings of this time is it is a great equalizer. It's like the my Instacart chopper is now my freaking hero. Here is a tip. You just literally risked your life for me, right? Like the garbage man, the like it is the great equalizer. We are one. We are in this together. We're not getting out of this without supporting each other. Like what you do affects me. What I do affects you. What my neighbor does affects me. Like we are in this thing together. We come from the same place. We're going to the same place, right? Mm -hmm. This is our home. So I feel like a lot of these wake up calls, like here you go on a platter right now. Like you don't need to do anything crazy to see. Just open your eyes. Mm -hmm right? What do you feel like the greatest gift of this time has been for us, yourself, us as a whole? I mean, for me, my spiritual abilities, my connection to source and my guides and my higher self has been exponential. Um, I move fast. As you mentioned, I, once I make a decision, I go, there's really only one speed and that's freight train, (laughs) freight train, Kelly. (laughs) Um, which you actually, uh, again, taught me this last year, I was having a really hard time. And you said that one of the best pieces of advice you ever got from one of your spiritual teachers was to not chug from the spiritual water bottle, but to take sips. Mm -hmm. And that has really helped me even in this moment where I am, I am in constant conversation with my guides, my higher self source getting downloads, being like physically moved. Yesterday I was out in nature and I asked one of my guys to come forward. And a couple minutes later, um, I like saw him and then I got pushed in the back and I felt two hands on my back being pushed. And I heard, it's time to go take the leap. And that is what the last two months has been for me. It's been this overwhelming push to action and clarity. And so things that I've never been able to do before or been able to tap into, I have, I mean, they have been brought forward in such magnified ways with so much clarity of what's meant to happen. It's all, all these puzzle pieces and things, little seeds that you planted and other healers and friends have planted over the years that didn't really resonate. They've all come together and it's this puzzle that's come together in my mind and I see it every day whenever I ask for guidance. And that has allowed me to shape shift into what I believe I'm meant to be doing in the way I feel 
called to teach and show up for others. And collectively, I really, I keep calling this the great shedding Mm. because there really is no other option except to let go. We don't have control. Control is an illusion. We only have intentional action and a willingness to be in our experience. And this shedding is taking away the noise, the expectations, the control, the beliefs that don't serve us anymore so that we can be in intentional action for ourselves in our truth, not for other people. And I do believe that you go two ways here. You either answer the call and step up for yourself or you don't. And there's no right or wrong because everyone comes here on their own path. But I believe that everyone is being used for a very specific reason in order to be the catalyst for this shift. It's just a matter of, are you ready? Is it your time or not? We're all being called to something. This time for me has been very clear about what I am meant to do, how I'm meant to show up, how I'm meant to teach. And I think that collectively, you can go two different ways. You can answer the call and step up for yourself, or you can not. And it's a matter of whether or not you're ready and willing, and if it's your time. And it's not about right or wrong. But what this time is asking of us is very big and everyone is being used in one way or another to affect others as the catalyst for this shift and for this shedding. So your growth, your willingness to step up, your willingness to create a sisterhood circle your willingness to guide others, teach, show up, my willingness to get rid of my fear of other people's opinions of me in order to fully show up as myself, to fully see myself, that is a catalyst for so many thousands of other people, other women to do the same for themselves. At the same time, dropping into fear Being in a spiral of anxiety, trying to control everything, trying to force things, trying to have answers, trying, 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 doing, 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 you are feeding an energy that does the exact same thing, affects thousands of people that then buy into that belief system. So as much as this is a great shedding of beliefs and ideas and patterns and noise that no longer serves us. This is also a period where fear bands together. And those people who chose that don't know the way out and they're not willing to do the work to get there. So there's a separation. Who do you want to be? Wow. So 
we've already talked about this, somebody on the brink of like their hearts calling, like just saying yes. What does that feel like? What's the first step? What's the how? Tell me, teach me how. Stop watching the news. And that's not just now, that's any time. The news feeds fear. Noise feeds fear. Your parents' belief system that doesn't match yours feeds fear. We are always looking to other people to give us answers, which is a distrust of ourselves and our own knowing. Start asking yourself, what is it I am meant to do? The thing I always do is I ask the universe, show me what I'm meant to see and what lesson and I'm what lesson am I meant to learn in this moment? In hard times, in great times, in success, in the lows, what am I meant to see right now? How am I showing up? And is this the authentic version of me in this moment? And if it's not, please guide me to where I am meant to be. The first thing is to be okay with ridding yourself of the noise. As you have been saying, you have been called to be in silence. Sitting in silence is one of the scariest things people can do for themselves because there is no other thing to hear except for yourself, your truth. And once you start doing that more, you're able to decipher what is mine and what is theirs. For me, when I get quiet, I hear this I have this inner knowing and this body awareness, but I also get these very clear messages of feeling like I'm being talked to from something above me. I never got that before because I was so full of everyone around me on this plane telling me what to do and how to be. So I couldn't hear it. So when you sit in silence and you're willing to go inward, you will start to hear the truth for you. If you find yourself saying, I should do this, or I have to do that, it's probably not meant for you. Those are the first things I think anybody can do. We already talked about journaling, but I feel like that's one way for me that has um, provided access to knowledge. Just like asking, journaling, asking questions and waiting for the answer to come through. And um Usually it sounds very kind, very loving, very real, very right. It just feels like a yes, like that was truth coming through. So, so journaling is a great access point for that too. Well, um, and in journaling, I'm so glad you brought that up. I have the same experience. Oftentimes before I get to that part of the experience though, I am almost creating holes in the paper because I'm writing so hard with my hand out of anger and fear and frustration. And it's very much, I'm angry at this. And he did that to me. And she said this and blah, and I don't know. And I don't know. And ah, chaos. And then you flip the page and all of a sudden it starts turning into something completely different. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's what is required of us to get this crap out of us. If that's journaling, if it's crying, if it's screaming, if it's hitting a pillow, if it's going for a run, if it's throwing around heavy weights, get that stuff out of you, process it out so that you can get to that place of flow in writing, in truth, and in hearing. 
And that's such a big piece of taking radical self-responsibility. I think so many of us want to take those emotions and blame, want to dump them because they're not, they don't feel great. So what do we want to do? We want to put them out rather than processing them ourselves and coming from a clean slate and asking powerful questions. And I just think that's a lot of us live in that, that irresponsibility. And there's so many ways to, to, process. I mean, obviously it's, it's a challenge for some people to go in nature right now, depending on where you live, but you know, getting out in nature, um, freeform writing, like she said, just like ah, going at it and, and getting it out on paper, whatever that looks like until you find a release, screaming into a pillow, freaking, um, talking to a friend and just getting it out and saying, I'm not putting this on you. I just need to talk. I just need to talk. I just need to, I just need to get this out. And I know this is mine and processing that. So you can come to an internal clearing. I think that that's so such an important point Mm -hmm. and super important inside of taking radical self-responsibility because we're, we, yes, this situation in the world can trigger us. Yes. People trigger us, but it's not them. It's, it's us being triggered and that's an opportunity for us to heal. Right. And, uh, that's a big part of this learning journey. It's not about them about us that is radical self-responsibility right there like I remember you want to call me and be like counter this counter that and be like okay (laughs) and Mm -hmm. what's being triggered (laughs) where can we clear where can you love yourself where can you honor yourself where can you come from overflow what are you asking from him that you can give to yourself right we want everyone else to do it all for us to fill us up to be the answer to do all the things and my goodness If you just start giving to yourself what you require so much of other people, you talk to yourself kindly the way you need your partner to. If you run a bath for yourself the way you wish someone would run a bath for you, if you do nice things for yourself, if you honor yourself and trust yourself, what's going to happen? That is the energy you're going to be putting out into the world, into your space. That's what you're going to attract. That's the level of respect you are going to now demand from others because you respect yourself. People will show up and respond that way. And if they don't, then that's when you know. But who am I to expect someone else to do all these things for me, respect me, treat me a certain way when I don't do any of it for myself, I don't trust myself, and I don't respect myself. That literally makes no sense. Such a such an important point. And I feel like a lot of listeners are in that place and that's okay. Like, it's okay to come to that point of like acceptance of like, Oh my God, you're right. Like, Whoa. And I didn't know. You don't know until you know, I mean, I did the same thing this weekend. I lost it and I was so upset and I was so frustrated with Connor and I was sobbing like a five-year-old. And as the day progressed, I realized, oh my God, I am so codependent right now. I'm literally relying on him to do everything for me. I can't go work out with him. I can't make lunch without him. I can't go watch this movie without him. When did I dive back into this space? And it's, it's a natural tendency that so many people have. It just takes the awareness to know, I don't have to keep repeating this pattern. This doesn't serve me anymore. Be aware of it. Acknowledge it. I apologize to him. I explained why I was acting the way I was. He was like, I totally get it. It's okay. I love you. And we moved on. And I've slept apart from him two nights this week. I've been doing all my own stuff. I went into nature for five hours without him yesterday. And I didn't have one feeling about, oh, like, am I allowed to do this? Because Connor's not here. It's reteaching yourself 
that it's okay to act in a sovereign way as an individual and not needing everyone else to fill you up constantly. Because I'm full this week, so I don't need him to fill me up. And the more I can build upon that frame of mind, the more I can be in my experience and be whole and just meet him in that place. Beautiful. And you're consistently coming from a place of overflow and you're trusting yourself. And this is, this ties into radical self-responsibility and giving ourselves permission to take this leap. And the moment we do start loving ourselves, forgiving ourselves, giving ourselves the love that we're asking for other people, starting to take our own advice, starting to take the moves that we start. The moment I've found for myself, when I stop asking questions, the answers come. And what I mean by that, like, not like asking empowering questions, like in the journaling and the inward journey, but when I actually am choosing to step into my next version of myself and fully embody my purpose, and, and I'm taking that right turn, as you put it, I find that the answers come the moment I take that first step. And I find that I've it's like a flooding of creativity, a flooding of ideas, a flooding of resources, a flooding of people, a flooding of, oh my God, they can come help me. The moment I say yes, the moment I take full self-responsibility, the moment like I'm the one I've been waiting for. Yes. And it's almost like we have to, do, do you feel like we kind of have to like keep remembering that? Yes. <laughs> it's like a loop. Yes. And when you say yes to yourself, the universe will say yes back. The universe will show up. But if you keep fighting yourself and forcing things and not being true to who you are, what is what are your guides supposed to do with that? Like, okay, like we're going to do this thing again with Kelly and she's going to do the thing and then we're going to show her this and then we'll see if she makes the choice, but maybe she makes the same choice and then we're going to have to like do this again with her. They're they're not here to fix you to make it all better to tell you what to do. We're doing that for ourselves. But if you don't, yeah, if you don't choose, we are in choice at all times. If you don't choose for yourself, no one is going to do it for you. And then you're a fucking victim again. Yeah, Have fun with that. The, the difference between Jim Rohn says it, the difference between being a tree and being a human is a human has the power of choice. And choice is what makes us human. And we all have the power of choice. And we are all living as a result of all the choices that we've made our entire life. And some of us on the line might be like, damn, I made some choices that I'm not proud of. Great. We can accept. We can feel the feelings. We can forgive. And we can make new choices. Right? And did you make the choices out of fear and control or flow and abundance? Because being in choice out of control and a need for control is going to lead you down a very different different path than if you are in a place of your cup being full and abundance and love and flow. What are three things you do every single day, uh, practices that anyone on the line can do to live from a place of overflow? I have my practice of my spiritual practice. So every day looks different in that, but I do something every day for that. So whether it's journaling or just crying and releasing something, um, lighting sage, being on a call with my girls, um, 
one of those things has to happen in order for me to be in overflow and feel safe and sacred. Um, movement. I try and move my body, whether that's in nature or working out or going on a walk with the dogs. And I would say the last thing, yeah, it just goes back to the radical honesty. For me, being honest allows an awareness that then allows me to release control that then allows me to be in flow. Beautiful. And it sounds like a lot of things at once, but the more you do it, the quicker it becomes. And you just, you realize you move through, you own it and you go on your way and flow. I love that. What is one or two tips looking back at Kelly? Maybe she's five, maybe she's in the volleyball world. Maybe she's deciding where she's going to commit. Maybe she's in media. What are one or two or maybe three things you would tell her now with the wisdom you have now? Do what's best for you. And you don't have to try it and be perfect. She's got so much like peace from you saying those things, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So you've done so many things. I know you, you have your podcast, which all of us can plug into. And I know there's going to be a ton of different type of listeners on this line, entrepreneurs, you've, you've interviewed entrepreneurs, you know, there's people that are on a self-healing path. You've interviewed those people. So her podcast is really great for those of you that are like excited about deep diving in your relationship. I know her and her partner have a podcast together and then, um, you have a journal and you do coaching and retreats. So is there anything in particular you want to guide people to? I know you have so many tools and resources. Yeah. Um, I think the podcast is really the one-stop shop for me. Um, I do cover so many topics and so much of sexuality and spirituality is really where it resides right now. I've been doing this for two years and I've had so many founders and uh, entrepreneurs and business women and doctors, healers, yeah, doctors, um, people in the mental health space. There's really so much there. What I would always encourage people to do, and this is something I've realized in the last few months, is that it's all amazing to focus on marketing and growing your business. And these are the ways you can build your website to get traffic and So many people are looking for answers to success. And what I would encourage everyone listening to this to do is to ask what's beneath that. Because the success that you have, Laura, and the success that I have is only possible because of the deep inner work beneath that that we have done. And before you can... redefine what success is for us. Yes. Because at one time, success might have looked different. Mm Mm-hmm. And before you can have the business of your dreams, the life of your dreams, all the financial abundance in the world, it takes a level, it takes a willingness to go deeper in honesty, in responsibility, and in curiosity. And if that is the foundation of what you do, and those are the people you turn to, and those are the mentors and guides you have, that will then lead you to 
the business mentor and the business growth and the website design and the everything above that that so beautifully builds. If your foundation is in truth and surrender and transparency and responsibility, there's really nowhere else for you to go but up. There's nowhere else for you to go but to build a home that is strong and unwavering and true and authentic to who you are. And I think that's what I've tried to create with my show. You can jump up and down in events. You can talk to the marketing guru, but without what's beneath that, it feels very empty. And that's what this is about. I mean, the podcast for now is called Activate, which for me, actually, the definition is pretty similar to what you just shared. It's that, um, soul line and goal line growth. And I feel like when we can really like, if this is the goal line and this is the soul line, when we can just live a life here where we're, you know, grounded in our truth and we're excelling on both cylinders, we'll find that we're living a fulfilled life, which is a sustainable, it's just just a sustainable way of being. And so, um, that's why I think we've remained such close friends during this time and we're growing together because we're realizing that those are the things that truly matter at the end of the day, because you and I have both had a lot of success and it's like, okay, what's really, really important. And what's super important to me is being in alignment and following my heart's truest calling. And until that happens, it's just not, nothing, nothing's enough. Nothing's fulfilling. It's like, okay, cool. You know? And I, and Mm -hmm. it's really cool to see you operating on full cylinders and choosing yourself and expressing your gifts. And because of that, you're, you're creating service. You're, you're building a life of service and you're giving to so many women. So excited for everybody on the line to find you. I know you're really interactive. You do an amazing job on Instagram of like DMing people and keeping in touch with them and answering questions. (laughs) Is there anything else you want to share? You want people to know anything we didn't cover that you're like, this is important that people know. No. Yeah. I am very active on Instagram. So if you want to message me at Kelly M. Tennant, um, if you have questions or thoughts, I'm happy to support in any way. And yeah, the Kelly show is, is waiting for you. So there you go, baby. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. This was incredible. Thank you. I love you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please share this episode and DM us. We'd love to interact with you about all you learn and create from this. If you love this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe to get real-time updates when all new episodes go live. And if you can, please leave us a review. It will help us grow our community and our message to support more leaders on their growth journey. If you want to continue to hang out with me, follow me on Instagram at Laura E. Holloway and subscribe to my weekly newsletter at lauraeholloway.com for weekly downloads, blogs, upcoming workshops, events, and more. Stay aligned and make your move. I'll see you next week.